Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to look at that. We are continuing this series on the names of Jesus that God had declared literally 700 years before Jesus actually arrived on the planet uh, in the flesh. He was declared, uh, it was declared through the prophet uh, Isaiah um, that, that he would be and who he would be, his names. And so uh, we're exploring those that we've been doing that over the month. And so we're going to continue that uh, exploration, Isaiah chapter 9. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll jump in. Father, thank you. You're so good. Would you show us your word? Would you reveal yourself to us in your goodness and your kindness and your faithfulness? And I pray that we just get to see you in a new light in a fresh light, or just be even encouraged and invigorated for all that you are. We love you so much, and we're so thankful for this moment. It's in your name we pray. Amen. The day we all got back together for some baseball was the day I got us into the biggest pickle of all time. Three. Three strikes, three pitches. shock of his first homer was just too much for him. Yeah. Smalls? Smalls? Gotta get that ball back. Oh yeah, right. Good one, Small. <laughs> yeah, good one, Small. Hey, Shelby, forget about it, man. Yeah. Let's get another ball. No, you don't understand. Sure we do. You feel bad because you belted a homer, and now we can't play no more. No, you don't understand. That wasn't my ball. What do you mean that wasn't your ball? It was my stepdad's. I stole it from his trophy room. It was a present or something. Somebody gave it to him. But we gotta get it back. He's gonna kill me! Listen to me, Smalls. It's the matter of life and death. Where did your old man get that ball? What? I don't know. Some lady gave it to him. Why? What? what? Uh, yeah, she even signed her name on it. Some lady named Ruth. Baby Ruth. Ah! <laughs> it's Christmas.
Christmas time is the best time because it's, uh, it's all these movies and nostalgia. That's not a Christmas movie, but it is a nostalgic movie. I love that. It's warm if you've ever seen The Sandlot. Now, here's a question. How many of you, as he described it, how many of you have ever found yourself in a pickle? Like you've done something and you're like, I know I'm in really bad trouble. Anybody had that experience? Yeah, some of you are like, I've had multiple of those all the time last week, right? Um, no, I, I, rem- I actually remember when I was a kid, uh, a kind of a, almost a similar uh, instance. Um, we, we, kind of, we lived in this cul-de-sac, and so it was like the place to play uh, ball. And everybody in the cul-de-sac was cool except for the neighbors directly to um, our, well, to our left, and the guys right next to us. And they were this uh, super... Um, private family, and they, they were very, very stern, and um, they wouldn't ever take care of their backyard, and so the weeds were higher than the fence, and so, um, it, you know, there was like lots of rumors, like there's dead people buried back there, all kinds of crazy stuff, like when you're a kid, but anyway, we were playing one time, we were playing, and we were try, trying to see who could um, score these goals, and we made up these basically fake soccer goals or whatever. Anyway, I kicked, kicked a ball, and it smashed into his garage window. And I just remember immediately thinking, they're gonna bury me in the weeds. <laughs> and so I sprinted inside and just tried to pretend it never happened. You ever done, have you ever done anything where you just, I just, you're trying to pretend like it's never ever, act, it didn't actually happen, but it did? That, that's, that is uh, probably an experience that every one of us have where we get ourselves into a pickle, if you will, get ourselves into uh, kind of a situation. And if, if we're not careful, one of the narratives that sometimes comes out of Christmas is that Christmas is about God being in a pickle in a, in, in, with a problem, that there's an issue. And the issue is, is that he looks down on humanity. Kind of the narrative goes, God creates man and, and, and woman. He creates them and then they rebel against him. And then now he's got to do something about it. That God somehow is now in a pickle. And he's like, well, I've got to, you know, maybe I have to huddle around and I got to get around. What are we going to do about this issue of mankind rebelling against us? And we, we love mankind, but you know, we don't want them to be separated, but they're separated. What are we gonna do about this? And so I've gotta figure out what we're going to do with mankind and all of his mess. And that kind of becomes this narrative. And so what God has to do is to send his son in order to fix humanity. And I, I, I think that there's maybe some misunderstanding about the design, God's plan from the get-go. Because listen, God's never, ever, ever been in a pickle, ever. He never has and never was. God is never surprised. He didn't look down on mankind and go, oh my gosh, what, what am I gonna do about this? This Jesus coming was a part of God's design from the beginning. He wasn't reacting somehow to try to fix, please hear this, God's not an ambulance chaser trying to run from one emergency to the next. That's not who he is. In fact, God is working and designing, and we'll see that if you'll look in your, uh, in the, in your Bibles at Isaiah chapter nine. We'll look at verse six. This is, again, a declaration 700 years before Jesus will ever come to the earth. And here's what Uh, The prophet said, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, 
everlasting father, prince of peace. Now, I want us, this morning, we're gonna take note of this second name, if you will, mighty God. Now, this is the first time we'll see in scripture where there's a prophetic declaration about the coming Messiah, right? There's been lots of talk about a Messiah who would come and to fix, to help pull Israel out of its brokenness and to restore Israel to its place of prominence as the covenant people of God. There, would, there was gonna be one, there was a Messiah who's gonna come and he was gonna be in the line of David. He was going to be, but he was gonna be greater than David and he was gonna establish this throne that would not uh, end. But this is the first time that as we see this uh, indication from this prophecy is that there was that other man that would come that would be in the line of David would be so much more. Wouldn't just be a man, but here for the first time we see the heart of God. It isn't just a man coming, it's God coming. God himself is going to come. And the declaration is he's mighty God. It isn't just some nice guy. It isn't just a great teacher. It isn't great philosopher. He is mighty God. And that God himself would come and deal with the root issue of all the problems in the world. You wanna know where all the problems in the world stem from? Comes from one place. The little word, no one ever likes to talk about it. It's called sin. It's a cancer that destroys from the inside out. And he said, I'm gonna come and I'm gonna deal with sin once and for all. And so he said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm gonna limit myself. I'm gonna come down and I'm gonna become human. I'm going to give away, if you will, my divinity. I'm gonna come and be established. I'll be fully God, but I'll be fully man. He would be the mighty God that would come among us and be our Messiah. That was always his intention from the beginning. He wasn't surprised. And listen to this, God does not stay on the sidelines. He doesn't do that. He comes right into the midst of our humanity to display his love, to display his power, to display his beauty, to display his glory, to display his justice, his holiness, his mercy and righteousness. He's coming to show all of it. Every ounce of it is on display first and foremost in the person of Jesus. He was mighty God. That's who he was. See, if, if we're not careful, when we, you can think of, when we think about the term mighty, you might have like, a, there's a few connotations. You might think of like Mighty Mouse. Anybody think of Mighty Mouse? When you say Mighty, anybody have Mighty Mouse in their head? Okay, might, you might have Mighty Mouse. Um, um, uh, one of the things that we, when we talk about might or when we think of is what, what people can do and accomplish. I mean, like we're in the middle of football season. We're seeing all these athletes do these amazing things, right? They score a touchdown, they're flexing, they're showing us how amazing they are, right? If, you, if you're not careful, what we think of when we think of mighty is like, man, really strong and really able and really great and really athletic and really, uh, really powerful. And, and we'll think of God in terms of maybe like a step above that, that mighty is somehow just like a notch ahead of us. And what this scripture is actually declaring is, hey, no, this is the king of the universe that is coming among us. 
Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Everybody say nothing. Nothing. Nothing is too hard for you. God made everything in creation. He fought it, he spoke it, and boom, it is there. Out of nothing, it then exists. All the intricacies, the complexities, everything that we see in this life that continue to baffle and amaze, even the smartest, scientists are still trying to understand the universe, still trying to understand the different facets of life. Billions of stars The scientists tell us exists. He knows the exact number because he called them into existence. He knows each and every one of them. And at the same time, he's the king who knows the number of every hair on our head. Some less than others. (laughs) He's all present. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. He's everywhere all the time. He's literally every, he's unbound by space and time. I'm reminded of the psalmist who says, if I go to the mountaintop, you're there. If I try to hide, if I go down to the valley, you're there. There is no place. We can try to run. In fact, I know that many of you maybe have had seasons where you've tried to run from God and he is annoyingly everywhere. And what he's going to show us is that part of being a mighty God is being a faithful one who pursues us. Can't even begin to imagine the power of God. His will is always accomplished. There is no force that can stand in his way. He will always always accomplish his purposes in us and for us. He is the sovereign, mighty God. And so when we come to Christmas, it's important for us to understand this. Even as we come upon these next couple of days, God wasn't in a pickle. He knew exactly what he was doing. He came with authority to ransom us and to make us new. He came in might and power and said, there's only one who can actually save and pull us out of the brokenness that we live in. And it was him. He's the only one who could do it from the beginning. Christmas was a a part of the original design. I want to be clear about this. Christmas was always a part of the original design. Easter was always a part of the original design. Actually, 1 Peter chapter 1 says that Jesus was chosen before the creation of the world, meaning Jesus was never plan B to God's plan A. He was always plan A. He was always coming. This was God's design from the get-go. Galatians chapter four. So you can see this. We'll throw it on the screen. Verse four. Look at this. I want you to see this. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Jesus was born at the exact moment he was supposed to be born. God was designing this from the beginning. Will was born at the exact moment he was meant to be born. 
That's what a mighty God is and what he does. That's what he's doing. Isaiah 9, you look back, for to us, to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. You know the power and might of God? Here's what it is. God giving us himself. That's, this is where the might of God. Yeah, I, I, was, I, I had an opportunity to be at the, in the courthouse uh, with the Nishanians as they were officially, he's been yours for a year, but they were officially and they were stamping it. And I loved um, one of the kind of, I think maybe the questions they asked you as uh, they stood in front of Bill and Kristen and they were like, hey, are you prepared for everything that you are and have is now his? Like you're going to see him. I, I don't remember the exact wording, but they were basically saying, everything that you have and everything that you are is now wills, basically. That's what they were saying is like, like as if he was your own. Of course, you guys were like, yeah. I mean, y'all, y'all were pretty, you're pretty geeked up. But I, I, I love that question because there is a part where will gets to come into your family, but there's a part where you're now totally given to him. This picture of adoption, so powerful, so beautiful. This is what... The scripture was saying in Galatians that God sent forth his son so that every one of us could do what we got to see the Nishanians do, is be able to say, I'm giving all that I have to you. Everything that is in God, hear this, everything that is in God is given to us. There's nothing that he withholds. You and I have the full measure the full measure of all that God is. In fact, one of the prayers we're supposed to pray is, Lord, would you give us the fullness of all that you are, Ephesians. We wanna have the fullness of God in us. His might and power are given to his children. You wanna, I think if you ask me what is the most powerful, if you, what's the most mighty aspect of who God is? Oh, far beyond God's creative capacity, creating each one of us and creating the world and the mountains and the stars and the universe and the seas and everything that there is and every way that we get to see with our very eyes the might of our God. There is nothing compared to the incredible, absolute, unadulterated zeal for ransoming his rebellious creation coming after us no matter what. There's nothing, I don't think there's anything that displays the might of God more than when he comes after people, even if they're pushing and kicking against. You ever had a, a child that you're trying to like hold and take care of and they're like, oh, I don't want that. I just want to run, right? The might empowers in the character of God who says, I'm coming after you no matter what. I'm coming for you. That's what's on display. His might, his goodness, his life, his power. God isn't coming in trying to react to our, our, our messiness. He's coming right in saying, I'm the answer for it. Everything that you find yourself wrestling with or through, I'm the answer to it. And God in might and power, he won't leave us alone, but he comes in 
so passionate for us. It's, it's something we actually get to receive. In fact, he, he says, I'll not just, I'm, just not, I'm not just mighty God. I'm going to be mighty in you. I'm going to be mighty in you. Zephaniah 3, 17. The Lord your God is with you. It's that name, Emmanuel, God with us. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. Our, our choice, man, if you will, mankind's choice, choosing to sin, it, ma- it made us separated from him. We were destined to eternal punishment, to experience judgment, slaves to the evil one. We've all experienced what that feels like. And Jesus comes in and offers his might. He offers to justify us before the righteous judge. He offers to satisfy the holy wrath of God by taking it on himself. He offers to redeem us from slavery to evil by saying, I'll take it on so that you can have life. He offers his might in us, forgiveness and renewal, to be made totally brand new. He's mighty to save to anyone and everyone for anything that has ever been done. I think maybe that's one of the most pure and beautiful pictures of a mighty God as he can look on the darkest moments, maybe even the ones that no one else knows about and say, I'll come in and clean you and make you whole and mine. There's nothing that can separate us from mighty God. Nothing, nothing on the planet. Of course, he doesn't stop there. He says, I'll be mighty in you, but I'm gonna be mighty for you. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Hear this. This is a powerful promise, but this promise is to those who love God. It's not, just a, it's not a general promise out there. It's a promise to those that are, their hearts are connected to him. And here's what he says. I'm gonna take all of the things that are broken and I'm gonna work them for your good. The promise is not that we'll never experience the hard stuff in life. That's not the promise. The promise is it doesn't matter what valley you might find yourself in. I promise whatever it is that you're in, I'm going to work for your good. I'm gonna bring life from it. I'm gonna work on your behalf. All those who love me and are called according to my purpose, there isn't one lost empty moment in life. He's using all of it for our glory, for his glory and our good, every ounce of it. The hard stuff, the good stuff, it's his. It's all his. It's what he does. And then finally, he, he offers to be mighty through us. I love this picture to the early followers of Jesus, Acts chapter 14. I'm sorry, Acts chapter four, verse 13 says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, this is speaking, the Jewish leaders were persecuting the apostles. And these religious leaders, they see the courage of Peter and John and they realize, it says, and realize that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I, I think one of the most powerful pictures of a mighty God is when he comes in regular people like us and touches the world, uses us to change the world. I love the uh, prophetic declaration that you spoke over Will, world changer. I just wanna say that 
that the Father, God the Father, would look on everyone here and say, hey, listen to me, you're a world changer. I'm gonna be mighty through you. You're gonna be amazed. You're gonna be amazed at what God will do. Yeah, I don't know if you ever had, have you ever had the wrestle? We'll finish up with this, but have you ever had that wrestle like you feel like I'm just not spiritual enough? I haven't, I haven't done, I haven't done enough, I haven't done enough reading, I haven't done enough praying. I'm not really that special, and I'm not like the preacher guys or the singer people or what. I'm just an ordinary person. And if we're not careful, we'll buy the lie. Literally, we'll purchase the lie that's being sold to us for nothing. That says somehow we're ordinary. Hear this, the king of the universe lives in you. You're not ordinary. There's nothing ordinary about you. You have all the creative power of the universe living in you. Every ounce of that can ransom us from brokenness, can pull broken sin out of our lives, can give us a new trajectory, can give us creativity and understanding, can allow allows us to be able to speak into the lives of people. Hear this, we were ransomed from darkness and brokenness and made new creations for this purpose that we could give away to the world what we have, to be able to touch the world around us. Not one of us will be okay until we're in that place where we're functioning in what God's called us, designed us to be. God takes ordinary people, even the messy ones, and he makes us extraordinary, and he gives us the power to effect eternity. This is what a mighty God does. It's who he is. In fact, I, we're just gonna finish up. You can put in notes down, and Bibles down, or whatever. I'm just gonna cover us and, and pray for us here. We're gonna finish out this morning. Uh, uh, Bandu, would you guys just come up? We're, we'll finish this one. In fact, if you guys just would stand, I'm gonna pray this over us, and we're gonna just... Declare this one chorus, the goodness of God. I'm gonna read this scripture over you. If you would, if it's helpful for you, would you, if you would just close your eyes for a second. Here's the prophet Isaiah speaking to you and to me. For to us, to you, to me, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. He is mighty God, mighty in us, mighty for us, mighty through us. He's the everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. Jesus, we just want to turn our eyes to you and to receive you, the mighty God. 
just sense that maybe there's been a, just a few that maybe you've had your arms up against the Lord. Like maybe, maybe like a young child pushing away. Resisting the Lord. Maybe even trying to, to, to press him out of your mind. But he, you're pressing against mighty God and he is zealous for you. And he will not leave you alone. And he's ready to receive you. To declare his goodness over you. God and King to show you his goodness and all that he will do for you and with you and in you. I ask God that you would remind us of that as we sing this final chorus. Believing in your goodness, God, would you anchor this truth that you're the mighty God in this season? There is nothing that that can press against you, nothing that pushes against you, nothing that you cannot overcome. There is no obstacle that stands in your way that you don't crush with the word of your power. Would you be mighty God for us and in us and through us, we ask in the mighty name of Jesus.